Uh, good morning, you guys. Uh, my name is David Henderson. I'm our student pastor here at Journey. Uh, my lovely wife, Stephanie, is on the keys, and I think she's taking number two to his class right now. So uh, we just want to welcome you guys this morning. Um, if you guys, if there's anybody out in the hallway, if you guys want to come and join us, uh, we're about to get into the Word. Um, go ahead, uh, Kidmo guys, you guys are dismissed. Uh, this is our, our kiddos up through fifth grade. If they're not already in class, they go. They have their own environment for teaching in small groups. So um, if you guys are, if you're our guests and you're kind of unfamiliar with how our kids' programs work, uh, this, if, that wing that kind of goes right off the main uh, lobby back there, that's, this is where our kids are right down through here. That's where um, I'm sure somebody showed you where your kids' class is, but if you're unfamiliar with that, it'll be uh, down that hallway. You can pick them up when we get done. Um, just before we get started, let's pray. I want to go to the, uh, go to the Lord in prayer and uh, just ask him to speak through this time, okay? Heavenly Father, we are just so glad to be able to come together in this place. Lord, we'll, we're thankful for the way you, uh, that you bless us. We're thankful for, uh, most of all, for your son and what he did for us on the cross. Uh, God, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to this time and just help us to take in what you have to say to us today through your word. God, I pray um, that you would just help me to get out of the way and let your spirit speak uh, the words of truth that we need to hear today. Uh, Lord, we love you. We pray that you be with those who are uh, traveling and who are maybe sick and not able to be with us. Uh, God, I pray that you be with Mark and Deidre and the kids as they are across the country and bring them back safely. Um, and God, we're just thankful for uh, all that you are and all that you've done. Pray you forgive us where we failed. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, uh, if you get your Bibles, if you open up to Matthew 20, that's where we're going to kind of camp out today. Um, if you haven't been with us, this is our fourth week looking at the parables. And so just kind of recap for you all kind of where we've been a little bit so far. Uh, a few weeks ago, we talked a little bit about judgment and the end. The kind of our main point was uh, when it comes down to it, we're either in or we're out. Now, a lot of times when we, when we talk about Jesus and when we are teaching and when we're in small groups and these different kinds of things, we, we tend to be drawn to these kinds of stories and these kinds of uh, ways of sharing the gospel that feel good. And what we have to be fully aware of is that uh, the Word of God it comes, I mean, it's, it's a hard, hard thing. Uh, and we have to be able to talk about that in those kinds of ways sometimes. And when it boils down to it, uh, we talked about the, the sheeps and the goats. We're going to be one or the other. There really is no in-between, right? And so that's something as we set the stage for the parables and we look at, we're looking at this throughout the summer, we have to keep that in mind as we, we pay attention to what Jesus is saying through these teachings. Uh, the second week, we talked about the parable of the sower. Uh, the gospel grows in those who have been cultivated to accept it. We must prepare and cultivate our own soil so that the gospel takes root and flourishes in our own lives. Okay, we talked about the different um, the, the uh, seeds being thrown on the path, the seed that is thrown into the soil, and then the, the thorns come up and choke it out, and kind of what that looks like. We identified kind of how we are as it relates to that parable, and we looked at what we should be, and that is that we should be cultivated and be, um, be that soil that allows the gospel to take root and flourish. Uh, last week, we talked about the treasure. Uh, even if we lose everything in this world, the kingdom of God, the reign in Christ of our lives, that is, is the greatest possession that we could ever have. Reign of Christ is the greatest possession. So before we get uh, into kind of our, our, our passage today, which we're going to be looking at the parable of the vineyard workers, I want to ask you guys a couple of questions to kind of think about this as we go throughout this morning. We're, we're in our time together. Um, the first thing is, number one, do I really understand grace? 
what is grace? What does it look like? How does it function in our lives? And how should I perceive it when others are involved, not just myself? How do I feel about it? Secondly, what if I think God's plan seems unfair? That one's tough, right? What if I think that God's plan seems unfair? All right, let's dig right in here. We're going to open up Matthew 20. Y'all buckle up. We're going to read right through this, okay? I'm going to get, grab my water because I might need it. It's not too, too long. We've got 16 verses, but uh, we're just going to jump right in and we're, then we'll chat. Uh, chapter 20, verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers in his vineyard. After agreeing with the workers on one denarius, he sent them into this vineyard for the day. When he went out about nine in the morning, he saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He said to them, you also go into my vineyard and I'll give you whatever is right. So off they went. About noon and about three, he went out again and did the same thing. Then about five, he went and found others standing around and said to them, why have you been standing here all day doing nothing? Because no one hired us, they said to him. You also go out into my vineyard, he told them. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard told his foreman, call the workers and give them their pay, starting with the last and ending with the first. When those who were hired about five came, they each received one denarius. So when the first ones came, they assumed that they would get more, but they also received a denarius each. When they received it, they began to complain to the landowner. These last men put in one hour, and you made them equal to us who bore the burden of the day's work and the burning heat. He replied to them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Didn't you agree with me on a denarius? Take what's yours and go. I want to give this last man the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Are you jealous because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first last. So as I went through this uh, passage and kind of prep for this week, this, and this, some of what we talk about with our students when we're talking about just Bible study and, and trying to get into the Word, so a good way to kind of get going with that is just to take your, or what you're looking at and just, just jot down what you observe. And so I kind of want to share a little bit about what that is. These are not in the slide, so if you want to write these down, feel free to. Um, also feel free if you want to go through and do your own later on, you can do that too. Um, so just going straight through this, some things that I kind of I kind of observed that I feel like Jesus is either saying directly or that he points to in other places of Scripture. Um, number one, I think it's safe to say that we are to work, that the kingdom of God involves work, okay? It's not the main point of this passage, but just, just something I picked up here, okay? I, I would refer that back to what we saw in Genesis after the fall, and God has basically told Adam, you are going to go and work by the sweat of your brow, work the ground of the earth. So I think work is involved, doing something, being active. And I do think that this passage kind of tells us there's something off if we're not active, right? That's what he told the people, the guys that were standing in the marketplace. Um, secondly, we see the landowner is looking for workers. He's looking for those to come into his vineyard and to work. And we'll talk about who that actually is in just a little bit and who he's talking about. Uh, the first workers, notice this, this is really important for this one. The first workers that were hired at the beginning of the, get, the day knew what they were going to be paid. And not only did they know, but they actually had negotiated. They had agreed upon this with the landowner. Okay? It's very, very important that we observe that, that at the start, these guys knew what they were going to be paid, and they had agreed, they had, had some sort of conversation where they had agreed upon the denarius or the day's wage, if you will. 
A full day's work would bring a full day's wage. I think we kind of saw that with the, with the translation. Some of your, whatever uh, translation you may have, usually it'll kind of spell out uh, what the term is. The denarius is a full day's wage. Um, in addition, I, I mentioned a little while ago the landowner looking for workers. I put that he, it appears to me that he's recruiting. And I say that because he keeps, he goes out, he's, he's hiring these guys and he goes back out and looks for more, right? And then he goes back out again and he's looking for more. So he's looking for people to come in to work his vineyard. Okay, another point that, and this, is, this kind of points to the fact that he's, he mentions to the guys that are standing around, uh, we should be working or active. Not just that, that we should work, but we should be active. Uh, elsewhere in Scripture, we, we are told that to, be, to have idle hands is not a good thing. We should be busy, right? And so I think that this kind of points to that. Again, not main points here, but just kind of some observations. Um, Notice, too, we talked about the guys that were hired first at, at roughly 9 in the morning, or excuse me, earlier than that. I think, I think if you're talking time frames, try to, ex, try to look at the guys when, when they start their work. Try to think maybe 6, 9, 12, 3, and 5, and then they, everything wraps up about 6 in the evening, okay? If we're trying to kind of keep a, for those of us that work daytime jobs, that might kind of help a little bit. Um, and if you don't, obviously we know how to tell time, right? Um, the... <laughs> The, uh, notice that the workers who were hired later didn't know what they were going to get paid. That's important because they were relying upon the goodness of the landowner to pay them what was fair. And that's going to be a really key thing here in just a little bit as we talk more about the text. We talked, I asked you guys a question, what if we feel like God's plan seems unfair? And I think sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, that can be the case. Um, notice it here at the very end of the passage, and we actually look in verse 8. This kind of indicates this as well. The last will be first. And this is kind of counterintuitive. God's way is counter to what we as people typically would say is right or fair. The first ones should go first, right? And those who came in last, then they get the last you know, look or whatever. Um, that's not what he says here. One thing, too, I want you to kind of notice, and I picked this up in verses 9 and 10. We should be very, very careful um, when we talk about just and, and hold on to just everything being to the T in Scripture. And this, I'll be careful when I say that. Uh, I think we are left here to assume that certain events or things happen in this passage and we don't actually see it spelled out. The reason I say that is if you look at verses 9 and 10, I'm going to read it again. Those who were hired about five came and they each received one denarius. So when the first ones came, well, hold on a second. Did we skip the rest of them? Well, no, we, did, we didn't skip them, but I think the assumption here is that those that were hired kind of in the middle or after the first and then before the last, that they all came through and they were paid their wage, right? So we don't see that here, but I think it's safe to say that it's happened. Wouldn't you guys agree? So something just to kind of keep in mind here as we're going through this. Um, and I say that to say we get real caught up about, uh, you know, I, the Scripture is the Word of God. There's no question about that. Um, but we get real caught up about the wording and specifically, it, does it say this or that? There are certain things that we cannot speak to as believers because the Bible doesn't say it. But I say that in this context because we, it doesn't specifically say that those guys that got hired at, from in between 9 and 3 got paid. But I think we know that they did. All right, So just, just a little something here for an observation on, on the text. Man is prone to compare himself to others even when the assurance of God's promises exist. Get this from verses 10 through 12. And we see that because the guys that get paid last, who started the day first, are going, wait a minute, what about 
you know, these guys got paid the same thing, the same amount that we did, but, but we've been working all day and through the heat of the day. Okay, so they're, they're comparing themselves to what's going on there. And we typically do that, right? We typically do compare, and it does seem unfair to us. And I think, to be honest, if you're reading this passage for the first time, you probably think it's a little unfair too, right? I mean, by our standards, it is. We've got to understand it's, it's God's way, it's not our own way. The land, this is my final thing I'm going to say, and we're going to get right into some of the, other, the main points. The landowner's generosity gives us an idea of what God's grace looks like and how it works, which is seemingly, again, counterintuitive to man's idea of fairness. It's kind of how we wrap up the text there, okay? Something I want to point out to you guys as we're, as we're looking at this. Think about the, the, the workers that started the day. They agreed with the landowner on a full day's wage because they were going to work the full day, right? With these guys... They had that negotiation in the beginning, but we notice with the others that they are distrusting the goodness of the landowner to take care of their needs there, right? And so uh, just putting all that together, something that kind of kind of jumped out to me, um, I feel like we miss out when we fail to trust Christ from the start. And that doesn't mean that you never come to, tr- to a point of trusting him, but if, you, if you're honest with yourselves, if you look back over what he's been doing with you and you identify that point, where there was that lack of trust, and you go, man, I missed out on something, right? And so I think that that's kind of, that, that's something we can take from this. If, Proverbs 3, you don't have to flip there, if, but you can if you want to. Um, Proverbs 3 says, My son, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commands, for they will bring you many days of full life and well-being. Never let loyalty and faithfulness leave you. Tie them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favor and high regard with God and people. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways know him and he will make your path straight. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It's something we kind of talk about. Like we, we'll talk about this with our students. And uh, when you're having these initial gospel conversations, a lot of people that are not believers had this tendency to feel like you have to have this, like these things figured out, right? Like they've gotta, I've got to know so much before I can trust Jesus. Well, I would say to that, you, you should hear the gospel message and be responding to that, but you don't have to have everything all, all figured out. I mean, that's, anybody that's sitting in this room, we can't say that we've got it all figured out before we come to faith, right? We learn and we grow. That's what sanctification is. You start at a point, and we're all over the place, guys. And with, like, I might be at a different place than my wife, who's a different place from Sonia, who's a different place from Cassie, and everybody else in the room. We're at different places, and that is okay, right? I want you guys to know that. But we should get to a point where we trust the Lord in the things, not just the details of our days, but in the overall direction of our life. And there's, there's points sometimes where we realize we've, we've not trusted, and we can look back and go, man, we should have done that differently. But don't beat yourself up over that. Let it guide you the way you go from that point on, Okay. We're prone, we pointed this out in the observations a little while ago. We are prone to compare ourselves to or with others even when the assurance of God's promises exist. I make, I'm holding on to this because last time I preached, I didn't drink any water and my throat was like dry when I got done. Although I'm not going to go as long as I did last time. I'm trying to be better about that. Some of you guys are snickering. Be quiet. I'm just kidding. My students will tell you that I pray a long time, which is true. 
Um, and sometimes the teaching goes on long too, but that's, that's all right. All right, uh, just kind of, kind of look at this, and there's a couple of different places in Scripture where we, we see what happens when, um, when believers compare themselves to each other and how dangerous that can be. Um, now, sometimes, okay, there is good that comes from that, right? When, when we're talking about discipleship and you've got someone who's pouring into you and then you're supposed to be pouring into somebody else, you have to watch what is going on with that person, right? You have to watch what's going on in their life and then they watch what's going on in yours, okay? It's observation and, and applying that to what you're doing and the way you're living. But there are certain areas, too, where we can, we can compare ourselves with each other, and it can lead to some dangerous things. Uh, James chapter 3 uh, tells us, Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. So we're watching, right, and we want to see good things. Let's continue. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come uh, down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. So this, this passage, yes, I know, speaks a little bit more towards envy and jealousy and some of the, these, these things that are, that are evil. The reason why we bring it into play is because think about the guys, when we read all the way through that text in Matthew 20, think about the guys that, were, that worked the full day and then they got the same amount that the guys that had worked essentially an hour got paid, Right? Now, if we're in, in the workplace today, we are, we are screaming mad about this, okay? Um, what we're going to learn is what the true meaning of this, this passage is. It's not about getting paid for a job or work done, but rather it's about grace that's given, and we'll get to that in a minute. But the, the point is that we shouldn't harbor envy. We shouldn't harbor jealousy towards people, even if our human nature tells us that what's going on is unfair, it's a natural response, and I get that. But if we, if we hold on to that, guys, it's going to keep us in a place that we don't need to be, and we're going to miss out on God's grace and his mercies because we're going to be clouded by this, this envy and jealousy that we're hanging out in. We don't need to do that. And constantly, and this is the, the, the danger of our culture today, and, and younger people are growing up in this even more and more, and it's just a scary thing. And we, as parents, have such a challenge ahead of us to where it's even different from our own childhood. The things that, the, the things that our kids are impressed, or that are impressed upon them, and the battle we've got to fight here, where they are constantly held to a standard that they are comparing themselves against, and I think, I think the ladies probably deal with this a little bit more than the guys do. Guys, we deal with that, but we don't vocalize it as much. We don't, you don't see as much of like your, your billboards and stuff where there's this image that we're trying to like look like, uh, but there's a kind of way we're trying to be, okay? But it's still the concept is the same where we are comparing ourselves to this thing, and if we're not measuring up, then we feel like a failure. Or we're comparing ourselves to this thing or this person, and if we don't have what they have, we're jealous, right? If we're not in a place of success where they're at, people of my generation and close, if we're not there, we feel either like a failure or we're jealous. And in either case, we're not going to be we're not going to be on the path to things that the Lord has for us. So we have to be careful about those things. To tie in with that, just kind of looking at the comparison thing, um, something that I think that we take away from this text today: God's grace is good. And I need to be able to celebrate others' receipt of it as if it were my own. That's tough because 
you're, you may be in a place where you feel like you're, it's, you know, what is God doing with me? What is he, you know, why am I not being blessed like they are? You know, whatever that looks like. But as the church, as the, the body of Christ, we've got to be able to celebrate each other's, the things that come to, the goodness that comes, the grace that comes to each other. Okay, And if we buy into the mission, students, we talked about the mission at Fuge a few weeks ago, right? And not only did we talk about going and sharing the gospel and what that looks like, we got a real conviction about us being in the Word like we should, so we're prepared for that. Okay, I could, sit, I could, I could derail and talk all about Fuge this morning, but I'm not going to do that. Um, but just, just for the rest of you guys that are in the church, whether you're a guest or you haven't been with us long or whatever, our students really, really experienced some good things at camp, and I'm, I'm really excited about what that's going to do for them going forward as they not only live out the mission, but as they grow in their own walks. And I hope that, that you can see that in them too and, and maybe be encouraged to do the same. We've got to be able to celebrate others' receipt of grace as if we are receiving that grace. All right? If we are totally in on the mission of sharing the gospel and what that means— whether we've been doing it for 20 years or whether we've been doing it for six months, we've got to be able to celebrate those victories with our brothers and sisters in Christ as if we are experiencing that ourselves. Because if we are all one body, we're going to feel that way, right? So that's, what, that's a, an attitude we have to have. It's very, very counterintuitive to the human disposition of, of, of wanting to want what's ours, looking out for number one in our society, sadly, pushes this on us. Okay, even though the irony of that is, is everybody that has that mindset, they kind of want you to adopt that mentality. But ultimately, it's, it's, we're all in bubbles at that point, right? We're, and we're not, there's no unity in any of that. And I hope that we are not too blind to see that as we live our lives in this, this country. Uh, look really quickly at some, uh, some scripture in Philippians to kind of talk a little bit about this. Uh, Paul says in his letter to the Philippians, this is chapter 2, If there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. That's the first four verses of chapter 2. And then we get into what the, what the Christian walk looks like a little bit. If, if we go on for that, you guys have probably heard that text quite a bit. Um, we've got to be able to look out for the interest of others first above our own and to put ourselves in the back seat for, for a minute when it comes to different circumstances in our lives. Okay, You will find so much, I promise you guys, and there are moments, that, let me make sure we're clear too, there are moments where we're going to mess this up, even if we're ultimately kind of sort of on track with this. We're going to have our moments of weakness where we're going to look out for ourselves. What The, the nice thing, even though it's kind of a hurtful thing at the same time, is that it's going to sting a little bit once you realize that you've done, and you go, man, I wasn't putting somebody else first. But you realize, after you think about it for a minute, what's going on there and where you should be heading and as far as putting someone else ahead of yourself. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. This was the, the, what we wrapped up in Matthew 20 with. The point with this, we talked a little bit about grace. We're going to kind of hit on that in a little bit more in just a minute. That Ultimately, that's something we're learning from this passage. That was awesome. Was that a text? Sorry, game nerd. So... Um, 
a little bit. My son's probably turning into a bigger game nerd than me, but that's okay. And as you can tell, youth, youth guys, we can get distracted sometimes. So there, there we go again. I feel like I'm, is that, I'm getting the big head. I don't know what's going on up here. Um, anyway, so the last will be first, the first will be last. No matter how we may feel about something, okay, human nature, no matter how we feel, we must be willing to submit to the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of his plan. We have a way that seems right to ourselves. Scripture says this, there's a way that seems right to man, right? We have a way that seems right to us. But in the end, even if sometimes we're in tune with what we might naturally be inclined to think, which I would say that's usually not the case, but sometimes it may feel that way, we have to be willing to submit to the sovereignty of God, even when what he's doing or what we read in Scripture is, goes against the grain of what we might naturally think or the way we might perceive things. We talked about this, this parable with the workers and the, the way they're compensated. Getting paid for a full day, like, think about, like, if you're, you know, if you're in the office, okay, and that's kind of my context. Um, somebody comes rolling in at, you know, three or four in the afternoon, and they come and do a little bit of work, like, all right, I'm out of here in about an hour, and you're like, what? And they're getting paid the same, hypothetically, the same amount that you might be. That really messes with our heads, and we're, we're really eat up by the unfairness that seems to be apparent there. But if we look at this particular passage in terms of not offering compensation for a work done, but rather God's offering His grace and pointing to His sovereignty as the plan that makes it work that way, which goes against the way we are thinking. And I hope I didn't just totally confuse you guys because I got lost in my own words there for a minute. Um, but we're gonna, if we're willing to submit to that, then we're going to go, okay, God... You've got the wheel. You just take me where you want to go. And I want to encourage you guys, that's not always an easy thing to do. But as, as, as the believer, that's what we're called to do. Okay? And I would also say, as, as you start your walk with Jesus, whether you're younger, whether you're older, whatever that looks like, just know that if you're willing to commit to him, he's going to help you to see the importance of certain things and that, that mindset of putting others first. And you'll grow in that. And it'll be something that just kind of comes a little more naturally to you than it may seem to right now. So let's talk about grace for a minute. I think I can put this down. Um, Ephesians 2 tells us that it is God's grace that we have salvation. It is God's grace that He gives us freely that is not dependent on the work that we do because he gives it. And that's kind of the point he's trying to make here to these guys, no matter who is being paid what here, it's about God's grace to, to give what he's giving. He's giving the same amount. What is he giving all of us as believers? Eternal life with Christ, right? We're all going to receive that same reward, that same grace by way of the gospel of Jesus. That is, we shouldn't have a problem with that. And, and it's, it's okay if you're at a point where you're weak in that, but you'll grow to that. If you're, if you're willing to give your life to Jesus and to, to do things His way, you'll be, begin to understand and to grasp that a little bit more, and it starts to feel a little more like what you are wanting to see in other people. Okay, But it's about His grace that He gives us, regardless of how long we may be a, a Christian or how much work we're doing. Um, it may be that you know, you're called to be a missionary in, in, you know, internationally. It may be that you are, be, you know, you're called to do some sort of, of kingdom work here at home. 
Um, and I hope they don't kill me because I'm doing this, but my neighbors are sitting right behind us over here. Yeah, Dan's looking like, who are you talking about? Um, these are some of the, Dan and Melissa Porterfield are some of the most awesome people that we've had the pleasure of, of sharing a neighborhood with and just straight up being the hands and feet of Jesus going on in that household. And I I'm really, really love seeing that. Uh, and I, don't, I don't know how long y'all have been doing that, but I just, you know, I, I know y'all see, y'all get it. Um, and it's not like a, a comparative thing. Um, so now that I put them on the spot, I'll, I'll move on to somebody else. Um, but the point is, we, it's really, even as, as believers, and we're trying to do kingdom work and, and spread the gospel, so if we're not careful, we have to be careful uh, that we don't compare what we're doing with what somebody else is doing and maybe wondering why God seems to be blessing that ministry. Example for you guys, um, is, Steph and I have shared some of this a little bit. Um, luckily, I think we got our mindset where it should have been relatively quickly, and things started to pick up some. But like when we started the student ministry here, it's been a little over six years ago now, um, we were like, you know, we're getting ready to, we're going to have 40 or 50 kids, and we're going to have all this fun, and we're going to do all this stuff. And then we, once we get into regularly gathering in our youth group, um, we have like two or three people, right? And for a few weeks, we had like two people. And it was Jake and Aaron, who, by the way, are about to be seniors. And I don't know, yeah, Aaron's up running slides this morning. Uh, Jake, as you uh, heard a little while ago, is in California with his family. Um, I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to take this when they graduate this coming year. And we've seen our first class go through. It's going to be a little tough. But, um, but what we learned very quickly was that, that God just was saying, you, know, you guys, you pour into who I give you. And then you, you leave the numbers up to me is kind of what he was saying, right? Pour into the people I give you and then you let me take care of the rest. And luckily that was something that we just, we didn't have to struggle with too, too much. For a minute, we're like, man, are we supposed to be doing all this? And, you know, for two people. Um, but, but very quickly, we're like, you know, we, we got what he was trying to tell us. And that's just the thing. We, even in, and you've heard, you guys have heard Mark and Scott talk about pl- church planning a little bit, like when they started Journey and kind of, it's real easy to watch what other guys are doing. And you're thinking, well, if it works for them, it must work for me. And then when it doesn't work out, you're kind of like, what? what's going on here? Um, we'd, be, we'd be careful about that. We'd be careful about comparing ourselves and being willing to submit to whatever God's plan is for your context, whether it's ministry, whether it's in your home, whether it's students, what's going on in your schools, whatever that looks like for you guys. So give, God giving his grace as the landowner to these workers is what we want to take out of this and to understand it's his plan, it's his manner of doing that that we, and we just we need to just let him do it how he wants to, okay? That's where we have to be accepting of his sovereignty in this matter and be willing to submit our lives to that even when things may seem unfair to us. And to also understand, too, uh, we don't know, like, we, these guys that got hired at 5 o'clock and they're done at 6, I mean, they might have gone into the, land, the, the, the vineyard and might have been twiddling their thumbs. We don't know. It doesn't tell us that. We don't know how hard they were working. We just know they weren't there that long. The assumption is that the time, you know, in the, in the field uh, was equated to the, the amount of work that was being done. Um, that's, that's something we've got to not get wrapped up in either. We've got to let God give the graces he wants to and not equate human merit with it. So, believer, if you've been serving, if you've known the Lord for decades, okay, this is kind of a hard thing. 
to the new believer who may come forward and maybe, and I will talk, I'm going to talk about baptism in a minute because we've got that service coming up in a couple of weeks um, that Scott mentioned. New believer, that grace is just as much for you as it is for the veteran Christian, okay? And veteran Christian, that's okay. Don't get bent out of shape over that. Here's the thing, and this is something that we kind of have to, if we're paying attention here, it's not so much the, the reward that we're talking about. Yes, it's the grace, but also think about the master who is being served here, the landowner. And obviously we know this is supposed to be a, an, an illustration of the Lord's grace. But think about just being able to be in the goodness of that master, not what he's giving you. That's something I think that we take away from this too. And if the guys who had started their work early in the day and got the same amount of money that the other guys did, if they focused less on the money and the fact that they got to serve such an awesome master, they wouldn't have anything to complain about, right? Yeah. So that's another thing that we have to be mindful of is that we serve an awesome God. And it's pretty remarkable that he would send his one and only son to die for us, right? That we could experience that grace, even though we did nothing to deserve it, whether you're in a relationship with the Lord for 30 plus years, whether you got saved yesterday, that we all get to experience that grace and it's, it's amazing. We shouldn't, be, we shouldn't have attitudes that are negative towards that. I want to wrap up really quick and to kind of, kind of talk about what we do with this. Two things I, I'm hoping we'll take away from this text today. Number one, our attitudes should reflect Submission to the sovereignty of God. Our attitudes, and I say attitudes because it is your attitude is, is within, but people are going to see it, right? If you don't have an attitude, if you don't have a heart that is submitting to the Lord, people will know whether they're believers or not. Jesus tells us, you'll know them by their fruit. I knew that was going to happen. You'll know them by their fruit. If we're not submitting to the Lord, it will be evident. And we can, we can say whatever all day long. If we're not in submission to God's sovereignty, then our attitudes are not in check. And we're not giving him the, the place of authority that we should. Secondly, if we understand something of his grace, that understanding will manifest itself in the way we extend grace to others and in the way we celebrate the master when we see him offer it to others. I'll read that again because I know it was kind of long. If we understand something of his grace, that understanding will manifest itself in the way we extend grace to others and in the way we celebrate the master when we see him offer it to others and not just us. Okay? We don't deserve grace no matter how much effort we put in, no matter how clean we've been, no matter whatever. We can't earn that, guys. And the person who has lived a sinful life that has been very evident to us, and then in the last moments, and I don't, you know, this is hard for me to fathom because I'm like, I feel, you know, we're so drawn to what we do and how we live out our lives of following Jesus. And it, it, it is hard even as a believer to go, I've been doing this for a long time, but to see someone who at the, in their dying breath, and I'm, I'm leaving that all to God, guys, because that, that's something I even have a hard time with will repent of what, whatever it is they've had going on and turn to God. It's his sovereignty to give grace to that person if he chooses to. Okay? And it's not on, it's not on us to be, we don't need to sit and, and look, you know, but we could say, you know what? 
He is a God of mercy and grace, and he will extend grace to someone in that situation if he chooses to do so. Don't compare. Leave our attitudes, make our attitudes where we submit to the sovereignty of his plan. Know that we don't, under, we don't deserve grace, but be grateful for what you're given and what's given to others. Okay? This, this really, you guys, is the essence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The sovereignty, God gives, the sovereignty of God gives him full authority for this plan to be the plan and not some other thing that we come up in our own minds or what seems right. We'd be careful, even you know, if you're a church leader or if you're actively involved in a group at school or whatever that looks like, it's very, very easy to get caught up in doing something for God, but maybe it's not what he told you to do, right? And, and there's sometimes I think he gives us some latitude, but some things he's very, very clear on in Scripture, okay, about how we perceive grace, giving him the place of authority and, and sovereignty to be the author and the, the director, of, if you will, of how these things work. But to, be, to have authority for the, his plan to be the plan, the plan for his son to come to earth in human form, to live a sinless life, to be the perfect and spotless Lamb of God, to take our sins, all of them, past, present, and future, to the cross of Calvary, and to die, and to die a death that we deserve to die ourselves. That's hard to really wrap our minds around too, but it is the truth. But also to be the one, and this is where our view, our Christian view, differs from any, you know, those that, that look on the outside looking in it, at people of faith go, well, how can you claim that your, your way is right over, you know, say Islam or Judaism or Hinduism or whatever? We boast in a God who came to us, not us trying to get to him. It's part of what grace is. But he came to us and he died for us. And we have hope because he is alive today. This plan and eternal life with Christ is given by grace alone. We do nothing to earn it, no matter you're working all day long in the heat of the day, or if you get hired at the last hour, meaning you give, you turn to Christ late in your life, that grace can be extended to both. So I want to ask you guys, what do we do with this? Just a few questions to think about. If we understand that grace is not of our effort, but in his good will and his giving it to us, regardless of what we've done, that we, were, we think we might deserve it. How do, do you understand grace better? Does that, do you understand it's nothing of your own merit, that it's something that is completely on him to give as he pleases? With that, do you need to repent of a harsh or negative attitude towards someone where maybe you've seen them receive things that you're not getting yourself? Or to maybe receive something where they've not done much to get it? We've got to watch our attitudes towards other people, you guys. Do you need to thank Jesus for the grace that he's given you now that you know that you, how understood, say that again. Do you need to thank Jesus now because now you know that he's given you grace and how undeserving you were of it. Praise God for that because I know I'm undeserving. It doesn't matter that, and I, to be honest with you guys, I never, ever, ever thought I would be a youth pastor nor would I have ever put myself up here. This is not what I had in mind, okay? Um, and some of you guys are thinking, yeah, I don't know why you're thinking. No, but, um, you know, but it wasn't my plan, but I just, just trying to be um, available for him to do what he wants. Do we need to thank Jesus for the grace he's given us now that we know how undeserving we were or may still be? 
Are you in a place where you need to turn things in your life over to the sovereignty of God? Are you, so here's, and here's what I mean by that. So we can say, well, there's, there's parts where we like give to God and he's, you know, we're nowhere, we're, we're all on board with giving it to his plan and the way he wants to do things. But is there something that you're holding on to? Okay. Is there something you're holding on to that you're not allowing him to have access to that part of your life that you need to turn that over to him now? Do you, need, do you know that you need to do that? I would challenge you guys, if, if, that's, if you're not sure on that, spend some time thinking about the priorities in your life and how God is involved and in, in, is over those things. Is there something that you're not allowing him to be, have priority over? Are you here this morning and you realize that you haven't submitted your life to Christ at all? Don't put that off if that is something that is on your heart as you've heard things this morning and the way Jesus taught about his grace that is extended. Do you need to give your life over to Christ? Do you need to step out and be baptized? We mentioned this a little while ago in the announcements. Two weeks from today, we will be here and then we're going to go out to the dam. You guys know uh, where the dam is in that new playground, right? We're going to be out there and we're going to have a baptism service. Hopefully, there's no wood to knock on. Uh, we won't have any storms because that's kind of been a thing on Sundays for a while here. Um, but if that's something that you haven't done yet, even if you would say, yes, I'm, I'm following Jesus, and I, that's something that's very clear. Now, it's not, you know, there's nothing magical about baptismal waters and certainly not about the water in the dam, right? Um, let's just be real. But it's something that Jesus did as an example for us to follow. If you haven't done that yet, I would challenge you guys, step out and do that. Come in, you can talk to me, you can talk to Mark when he gets back. He'll be, he won't be back here next week, but the week after that, they'll be back. Um, Scott is also available. I think he's probably seeing Kidmo today. He's, he's bouncing around doing something. Um, but uh, come talk with one of us. We'd love to, to get you connected. And even if you're like icky about the damn water, we do have a, uh, a, you don't see it right now, but we bring out, we have our own thing that we do baptisms in. We can do that too. Uh, but definitely, definitely don't, don't put that off. Um, what do you do with knowing that God is to be sovereign and that his grace that he gives freely regardless of what you've done? What do you do with that? I'm going to challenge you guys this week to think about the things in your life, whether it's work, whether it's school. I know school's out right now, but you're, it's coming, right? Um, the different things where you realize, gosh, God has given me so much or God has given them so much and maybe it doesn't look like that much to me, but that's okay. But he's sovereign and I'm gonna, I love him and I'm going to trust him. How does, that, how does that underlay the different things that are in your lives, you guys? Think about that and think about where maybe you need to commit more uh, things to the Lord, and whether it's prayer or whether it's just kind of seeing things the way that he does. I want to challenge you guys with that this week. Um, and especially if, if you have not given your life to the Lord, understand there's not this, you don't have to be at a place we had a Sunday school teacher years ago at our old church that said, you don't take a bath before you're going to, you don't take a bath to go take another one. Okay, I know that sounds silly, but what I mean by that is, like, you don't have to get all cleaned up just to get cleaned up again. Does that make sense? So you don't have to be, you just come as you are. Understand that you don't stay that way. If you're sanctified, if you're, if you're becoming more like Christ, you're going to change. But embrace that. Embrace that. If that's something that you haven't done yet, please, please don't put that off. I, I don't, I'm not a fan of doing Like, I'm not going to ask you to hold your hand up or anything like that. But, um, but think about that where you are. If you want to come down, I'll hang out down front today. If, if you want to come, if you want to come pray, or if you want to 
um, if that's something that's on your heart. Um, but just don't, don't put that off. If you feel God's tugging at you with that, that's, that's, that's time to reply. That's the time to respond, okay? So let's pray together, and then uh, we will uh, worship in one more song. Uh, thank you guys for coming this week. I hope you all are safe. Hope you have a good week. I'm supposed to get some rain. Hopefully we don't get any rain. We uh, got some students wanting to play kickball tonight. If that gets to happen, we'll see how that pans out. But anyway, let's, uh, let's, let's close out in prayer. Heavenly Father, you are so good. You are so full of grace and so much better than, than we are. Your, your way is better than any way that we could possibly come up with on our own. And it's okay if we feel times where we're looking at other people and, and wondering why maybe they're more receiving a blessing than we are. We have to understand that that's okay. And God, I just pray that, that you would change our hearts, that you would, you would change our minds, bring us to repentance in those kinds of matters. Help us to put you in a place of absolute sovereignty and authority over our lives and help us to know that that's okay. It's not like we have to hold on to these things. And it's, our, our culture tells us it's a good thing to be in control. And while there are certain things that you're going to expect us to take initiative on, help us to know that it's okay to put you in the driver's seat and let you lead the way you want to in our lives. Bring us to places where we didn't expect to go and help us to, to be excited about those things. God, I pray that you be with all of us parents in the room that are, are trying to raise our children to know you and to love you. God, help us to know it's, it's a scary thing because we know we're not always going to be in control. Sometimes we don't feel like we are now. But help us to trust you in that. If we're at different places in our lives, help us to trust your plan that it is good and that nothing, while we should certainly be good people, we should be good to others around us, help us just to rely on your grace to give us the life that you promised and to be what guides the life for everyone that we come in contact with. Lord, we are so, so thankful for the sacrifice your son gave on the cross, that he took all of our sins upon him, that he overcame death and is alive with you today. And for that, we have hope. And God, I pray that if there's anyone this morning that, that hasn't responded to that, that they would. And God, that we would, that they would begin that beautiful walk. Sometimes it's a crazy walk with you. Um, but Lord, ultimately, if we trust in you, we know it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good and it's going to go to a place. It's going to take us to a place that we cannot wait to get to. God, we love you and we thank you for your son. We thank you for all that you have done and what you will do. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen.